The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. All ideas expressed are opinions and property of host Dr. Dory Lynn or the Center for Relationships, Sexuality, and Spirituality, LLC. It's time for Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Your host is Dr. Dory Lynn. Age and experience are an asset, and Dr. Dory has put together experience, stories, some great guests, and connections with you front and center for a fun-filled adventure. We invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Dory Lynn. Welcome again. This is Dr. Dory And you are listening to Mindful Matters, as you know. And we're going to talk today about sex, love, spirit. Specifically about love. I'm going to lead into that a little bit slowly. And how adversity experiences like affairs and uh, job loss and... um, family and politics and all children, money, are all issues that people face that often uh, are symptoms of underlying challenges and also the tools that people can use to bond rather than break up. And This was not what I was originally going to talk about today, and I'm going to tell you why I changed my mind. Uh, And bear with me as it seems like two separate issues, but they are not. I myself faced a relationship of adversity this week, which I will tell you a little bit about, not too much. I would tell you more, but... um, I want to be respectful of my significant other who is not quite as open as I am. Very few people I know outside my field will quite share as much as I will um, appropriately, I think, not just carelessly. Uh, So I started to think about how we handled it and how much closer we became as a result. And I'll go into that. But as part of our sitting down and relaxing and not doing many of the things we thought we had to do, we went on a um, talking, holding, touching, lovemaking time, as well as, uh, yes, seniors still do it, elders still do it. And we watched a couple of really great movies toward the end of the day, as well as visiting with some friends. We also watched a movie that I did not like at all. And I thought about why it was such a pop movie. And it also reminded me of a movie we saw recently. Now, the good movies we saw, I'm putting in a plug, as we saw a 19... He saw, I slept through, I was asleep. He saw a movie called Ecstasy from the 1930s. It's a silent movie with Hedy Lamarr, 
before she was Hedy Lamarr. And uh, he is usually not a foreign film man, but um, more a Clint Eastwood type, but he loved the film. Maybe he just loved the naked scenes of Hedy Lamarr, I don't know. But he thought it was a great movie. We watched Fargo, which I had seen before, and we saw a uh, an Indian film called uh, Saffron. I can't remember the word in Hindi, which came out in March of this year. So it's been out two years, and it was in uh, Hindi with subtitles. It got mixed reviews. I've lived in India. I've lived. In I've visited the Sikh Golden Temple, and it's based on a true story of the 1800s, uh, where 21 Sikhs held off 10,000 Afghanis, and they all died as a result. But it was, I thought, just a lovely, lovely film. Uh, and then we saw the movie called um, The Book Club, which came out, I think, oh, two years ago. And it was, we, we decided to take a look at it uh, because of the cast, which is a stellar, stellar cast. It had Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenbergen, and some very wonderful male stars. And we thought we would watch it. And about... Ten minutes into it, we looked at each other and we said, I don't know if I can bear watching this. It's not a good movie. Now, the American public didn't agree with me. And the movie is about uh, these four women in their 60s who haven't had sex in a long time except for Jane Fonda's character who has had sex but she's never been married and she doesn't sleep with men. So it's a functional activity where she basically uses her partner for her satisfaction. And they're all reading, they've been members of this book club, they're all reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. And I remember when the book first came out. Now, in my own history, in full self-disclosure, I'm quite knowledgeable about sadomasochism and the issues of control and surrender and have taught workshops from a psychological standpoint about how sexual varieties are really, if you stop judging them, are really uh, varieties of control and surrender. Generally, I'm not talking about things like pedophilia or things like that. And in what we consider safe or good sadomasochistic or bonding relationships, there's always a safe word that is very, very respectful. And people who choose to live in these relationships or have these experiences, if done respectfully, are generally people who have very good relationships. I know that can be hard to believe if you've never experienced or seen it, but I gave workshops from a psychological standpoint, predominantly to professionals, about how these are really psychological phenomenon that have to do with control and surrender. And just as in most relationships, uh, it is 
Most often, the person who appears to be the more passive or the one who is not in control, who actually is in control. And you see that in a relationship where it's the person who wants out, uh, but um, well, it's the person who wants out, male or female, and who says something here is wrong, that is in real in control, because if they want out, the relationship's not going to be good, and either they will get out or they won't. Or they come to see me or someone like me. In my life, I don't get to see the wonderful relationships when they start. And for those of you who have had really bad experiences and traumatic experiences, like an affair or job loss or move, and I'll talk about that, uh, I want to tell you that I've worked with people who thought their relationships, and I'm going to use the word relationship or marriage interchangeably, because today... 52% of marriages end in divorce, and many people just have relationships or intimate relationships, don't get married. That's fodder for a whole other program. But when I see people, this isn't something usually that has just happened. The relationship has been going downhill for quite a long time. So I don't get to see people in the beginning who have had wonderful relationships. They come as a last-ditch effort to find out what is wrong, how to get in or out, or make it better. The good news in my 50-some-odd years of working with couples is that I have seen relationships that looked like there was no hope turn into the most astonishingly intimate communicative, sexual, sharing, teamwork that is imaginable. The best relationships in some ways that I've ever seen. And these are usually people who just didn't have the tools. They didn't have the tools to know how to love. And how many of us have those tools? How many of us have seen great relationships? How many of us have been taught how to love? Very few. We're taught how to be successful or what the world calls society, society calls successful. That's sibilidesis, one after another. Or uh, we're, we're taught how to go to school and have an education. We're not taught how to have respect for each other. We're not taught about the difference in emotional needs. We're not even taught about the differences in how the sexes may operate, even though there's now some question about whether it's learned or genetic, which I don't really care. It certainly is a generalization that men and women are somewhat different. And then we have all the genders that are in between. So when I saw this movie, at first, I I really didn't like it. And I remembered when the first when the book first came out, it was nothing new to me because I had been working in the field for years. And I was in a sauna with a number of very proper women in a very proper and well-off area. 
And they were all talking and twittering about the book. And I thought, I just listened, and I thought, what is so unusual? And I realized that these women really knew very little about sex. They may have been having intercourse their whole lives. They all had children. But they knew very little about sex, maybe other than the missionary position or one or two others. They knew very little about communication. They knew very little about what the depth of a relationship could really be like. And the more I listened, and I just listened, I didn't speak, I began to understand the tremendous need, as always, for sexual education in our culture and the tremendous need for relationship education. So when I saw this film, I know it was educational for the public, but to me, these really fine actresses and to my significant other uh, were really mouthing words and acting roles, and they were all twittering, uh, not Twitter on on, um, on computers, but they were all giddy and talking about sex like teenagers. And it was not a very flattering portrayal of grown-ups, but it, in some ways, sadly, it was a true portrayal, and it was hurtful. And then they find their loves, and they walk off into the sunset, and just like a fairy tale, you know, fairy tales always end with the prince kissing the princess. You never know what happens afterwards with baby puke and sibling rivalry and parents having fights and one being a Republican and the other being a Democrat. You just always end a fairy tale with the kiss and happily forever after. And the movie kind of ended that way. The one piece I did like was the view of the children who were very worried about their perfectly active and sexual mother who they felt could no longer live alone and they saw her as uh, being an elderly woman and there was no, they were worried about her and children do not see older people as sexual beings. Just remember, this is Dr. Dory. I'm at 1-888-346-9141. So while I'm on the movie, another film I saw fairly recently, which is not an outstanding film, but it's a true one, was the movie Hysteria. And it's about, it's a true story about the invention of the vibrator and how During the Victorian age, uh, they realized that if they, certain scientific men realized that if they uh, had this device and they were giving women orgasms, all under medical pretense, of course, uh, women were much happier. And then there's one rebel woman who says, uh, listen, you guys, this is not a woman's problem. They are not hysterics. This is really a man's issue because you don't know how to talk to or make love to your women. And she, of course, 
winds up being put in jail and then finally is let out and is the heroine of the film. The diagnosis of hysteria, by the way, which went to any woman who would be would speak up or be emotional or passionate, uh, actually existed on the books until 1952. Now, can you believe that? 1952. So any woman who was passionate was called hysteric. And Serena Williams did Mm -hmm. an ad during the Super Bowl that addressed this issue and the changing view of women. So I began to think that not only don't we know much about sex, not only do we know not know much about people, but we don't know how to teach love. We don't know how to teach what a relationship consists of. And we don't know how, when adversity comes our way, how to overcome it and possibly bond and love more deeply. So on that note, call in if you'd like. I'm going to go into that segment of my thinking. And uh, you can always call 1-888-346-9141. And you can always write in to drdari.com with questions, and I will answer I'm also going to tell you a little bit about some of the books I've written, which I never talk about, because I've addressed these issues in the books, so I'll do a little PR. Again, this is Dr. Dore on Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. And today we're now going to focus on love in relationships. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Dory Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grownups, reveals the truths, lies, and must-tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon & Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience, but there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America and get 20% off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D-R-D-O-R-R-E-E at drdory.com. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to lead up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show. Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to drdory at drdory.com. Now, back to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Dr. Dory here at one 888 346-9141. And I'm moving into the segment that really interests me today, or the other interested me as well, about how little we know how to live with relationships of love and how little we know how about how to handle adversity in a relationship. And I was drawn to the topic because my significant other got a medical diagnosis that could or could not be serious, and we're not going to know for a few weeks. And it was very frightening, of course. And uh, we talked about it. We're not married. My daughters, one of my daughters said, Mom, have you thought about getting married before he has surgery if he has to have surgery. And it's and I said to her very honestly, you know, it's not quite that simple because we've both been married before and there are legal issues. Don't worry, we'll take care of it. But I was very aware of how we handled it and how we gave up all the things we were planning to do and we took the time to bond. And he is what would be called a prototypical male who for years never shared feelings and went through some major surgery uh, without even telling his late wife, uh, who was not very happy once she found out. And so for him, learning to really talk and trust me and be vulnerable was a huge Uh, decision and a huge move. And for me, although I did get frightened because I love him and I certainly don't want anything to happen, uh, I went with my vulnerability and we just talked a great deal about the preciousness of our lives, the preciousness of each day, what our true values were, which have changed over the years, and the values we had around love, friendship, family, not how many acquisitions we had, not the things that I grew up thinking were important, but where we shared important sameness, and where we were very different, and we had begun to learn to complement each other and where the differences became assets rather than detriments. So I thought about people I knew whose 
relationships had really uh, developed and gotten so much stronger because they had gone through really horrendous activities together. In my work, the most common disaster that brings people in is an affair. An affair is rarely the cause for a breakup. The affair is most usually a symptom of something that's been going on underneath that hasn't been addressed. And very few people realize that. It's an acting out of something that people haven't discussed. And uh, I'm not putting a value judgment. I'm simply saying this is the most common reason people come in. The other are economic reasons, fighting about children and about politics. And all of these from issues, from my point of view, are the tools that people use to fight, the tools that people use not to get close, the tools that are most common in a relationship to squabble about because we all come from different expectations and different ways of being. And usually the real issues are the expectations, the dreams, the hopes that are not discussed because people don't usually have the tools. And uh, the issues of control, surrender, vulnerability, fear of loss, people who have had relationships and have been hurt or have had a partner or spouse who has been ill uh, are frequently very afraid to be vulnerable again. And young people of today who use chat rooms and technology instead of touching and kissing and being intimate over a long term don't know that they're afraid of loss. They don't even know what a real relationship is. They are living in a, what I call faux, F-A-U-X relationship, where you have tons of friends and tons of likes, possibly, but nobody you can really pick up the phone to in the middle of the night and say, hey, I'm in trouble. You know, I need, I need you. I love you. I want you. Please touch me. Kiss me, be with me, talk to me, especially talk. So I was thinking about some of the relationships that I do know that have survived really difficult times and what has made them survive, and one or two that have not done very well. One is a very close couple close to me. We have been friends for 40 some odd years, so I know them extremely well. And they, out of six children, lost two in pretty, one to illness and one in a horrible accident. And the single biggest reason for a couple to separate is actually the loss of a child. And that's because the pain is usually so great that they wind up feeling guilty and they blame. And the minute you play the blame game in any relationship, but especially about something that's heartbreaking, 
because you feel guilty or you're mourning or you're in pain and you didn't do enough and you blame the other person, the relationship can separate. And the loss of a child is the single greatest factor and predictor for a divorce or a separation. And they had this couple, Stella, let's call them Stella and Bob, lost two children. And I know them personally for 40 years, and they've been married about 60 some odd. And they have other children who they love deeply and grandchildren and probably great-grandchildren soon. And they're a very interesting couple, a very unusual couple. She is a devout Catholic, and he is an Orthodox Jew. So you'd say, what are they doing together? But they respect each other's way to God. They don't worry about how. In their own way, they share a faith. And the fact that they way, the, the way they share their faith is different doesn't matter. And she will make a seder and he will go to church. Um, not as often as she will be as giving uh, their personalities, but they're loving toward each other and they respect each other and they share a great deal and they don't blame. They do talk to each other and they're very different personalities but they have a bond and a faith that has only grown through adversity and over the years. And I've watched it. I've watched as they have grown. And it's a beautiful, beautiful sight, beautiful experience to be in their presence. Uh, It's a very spiritual experience. And they are far from perfect human beings, as any of us are far from perfect human beings. Another couple who did not do so well with adversity are Jim and Darlene. They're a couple I know very well. And they did not have very good communication skills. And after, they loved each other. They just did not have good communication skills. And they were very busy people, living a very busy, success-oriented life. And uh, they tried but they couldn't communicate. They even came into therapy with me, but they just didn't do a very good job listening. They, they were so set in their own ways of handling tragedy and handling life that they had a hard time listening to each other. And so they had a major fire. And a fire is a kind of death. It's not the same as the death of children or of uh, a beloved, but It's a very similar kind of death because, as in their case, their entire histories were eradicated and everything they had built together was erased. And although they limped on for a few years and they tried, ultimately, the way they handled this monumental life experience was by going in two very different directions. One Uh, She went on to become a very powerful and well-known individual. And he, who had been a very well-known and powerful individual, 
went on a spiritual path and they just weren't able to negotiate their differences. So they, they did not have the tools and they mostly didn't have the communication tools. They were also a bit younger, truthfully. Uh, I think of Joyce and Bill and Joyce is a writer and her husband, very long-term husband, had been ill for quite a while and she knew he was going to die. So she began to write and she wrote books about her experience. She went into therapy and ultimately they lasted beautifully together and Bill managed to last with his long-term illness, and I'm talking many years, uh, until their children got married. He had the will to live, and they helped each other along the way. And I thought of them because of all things in my life, not only have I written about sex, I'll tell you a little bit about my own books, uh, I, I did write a book called... When the Man You Love is Ill, Doing the Best for Your Partner Without Losing Yourself. And it was written with a very fine writer called Florence Isaacs. She was head of the writer's, uh, not union, but organization. And I was very privileged to write with her. And it's, I don't like the title. I thought the title was a mistake when I wrote it. I lost a very big battle to both the publishing company and to my agent. Uh, and I said, it's not when the man you love is ill. It's when your partner is ill. I said, for one thing, it's not always the man who um, is ill. Although, interesting, in those times, which about 10, 10, 15 years ago, it was known that men more frequently split when a woman was ill and a woman would more frequently hang in, lose her head. She was wearing so many hats and uh, she would become ill as well. And it's a very interesting book because it's structured. I don't usually like to write very structured books, but it's structured and has little quizzes at the end and lots of and lots of information to tell you what to do when there's an illness. But my main argument was not that it was men or women. It cut out 10% of the gay population. And in my view, the gay population had been the forerunners with AIDS of teaching people how important caregiving was. So the minute we specified a gender, we were simply eliminating future buyers, among other things. It seemed very practical to me. But I lost that battle. I will never lose a battle around a title again, I guarantee, because I know how to fight better for what I believe. But it was a loss uh, that I felt. But the book was a is a good structured book. I was rereading it and I said, there is so much information in here. Anyone who's had an illness with a, with a partner can read this and really know how to help and how to take care of themselves. And of course, as we have an older population, which continues to grow, 
one or another is going to get ill most probably, unless you both die in a plane crash or car crash or something like that. So there's a need for caregiving. And while I'm at it, of course, I've written book Sex for Grownups. I've written about 300 articles about dating, love, sex, relationships, organic food, um, foods to eat to keep stamina, what helps you sage. I don't like age, sage, because we, with positive aging, gain something. So we gain wisdom and patience, hopefully, and lots of other good things for some of the stamina perhaps we lose as we get older. And then my first book, which was called, I love the title, Getting Sane Without Going Crazy, was a smash success because everybody loved the title. Frankly, it's not the best book I've written because I was trying to grapple with very difficult issues and didn't yet have the maturity to know quite how to get my thoughts across. And interestingly, 20 some odd, 30 some odd years later, I still am interested in the same issues, only now I've grown into an ability to talk about them. So those are some of my books, and you can learn more about me at drdari.com. So talking about adversity, what kinds of qualities do we need to help uh, to help going through a difficult issue? How do you become more of a couple rather than less? How can you get closer rather than fall apart? And there really are some basic tools. You can turn an horribly difficult situation. We all go through difficult situations in life, whether we're single or in a couple. And while you don't want to seek these issues, they come to you. The first and most important is to think of the relationship and what is your priority. Is your priority building the relationship or being right? For many people, it's being right. For many people, they get very frightened and they blame. And the minute, I said this earlier, you you do the blame game, which is you, 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 or start any sentence with you rather than I feel you're in trouble. Uh, You has an automatic accusation attached to it, which a lot of people don't realize. But I feel is just an ownership of how you feel. There's no judgments, right, wrong, or otherwise. I feel whatever I feel. So you you have to learn your own communication styles. You have to learn how to be in a partnership and that you can't blame, but you have to work together through something. Illness, of course, is one issue. And frequently with illness, It's very frightening, especially if you do have a love, because nobody wants to lose the person they love. And many people don't even bother learning to love because they are so afraid of loss that they skim through life 
uh, thinking that if they skim through life and a relationship on a superficial basis, uh, they won't be hurt. Well, they may not be as hurt as they think they will be, but neither will they have the pleasure of what it is to be really intimate. So I'm all for living fully, loving fully, and risking one's heart, as difficult as that is. This is Dr. Dari at Mindful Matters. Love, spirit, love, sex, and spirit at one 346-9141. Feel free to contact me as some, some of you are doing after the show or as you podcast, download your podcast. And you can certainly ask questions, make comments, and I will promise to answer them. Uh, and I'll continue on how to help each other through an adverse situation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Dory Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grownups, reveals the truths, lies, and must-tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon & Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience, but there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America and get 20% off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D-R-D-O-R-R-E-E at drdory.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to drdory at drdory.com. Now, back to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Today, this is Dr. Dory, of course. Today, I'm very mindful about this issue, and I'm passionate about what it takes to really love. And uh, here am I. I'm going to be 78 this Friday, by the way. I'm very excited. 
and feel very blessed. And I was talking to my audiovisual guy who is 33. I'm allowed to say that. And he's listening and he's he was just telling me what he thinks love is possibly. And on the break, we were talking about how some people think it's a spiritual issue or many people confuse lust with love. And that works maybe for about 18 months to two years. And wild passion like that lasts for a while. And then kids come along and suddenly you don't know what you're doing and you see your partner in a bathrobe and no makeup or he's just watching TV and his skivvies. His skivvies are still a modern word, I don't know. And uh, you forget why you bothered to be together in the first place. So just as a clue, I'm a huge advocate of date night and not date night necessarily on Friday night, but a midweek date night, which doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to be getting dressed up, just be a picnic or getting out of the house and talking to each other about almost anything except the kids, the mortgage, the leak in the roof, and your mother-in-law who is giving you difficulty, just talking about yourselves. People forget to take that time to keep the relationship alive. That's just a sidebar to some of the huge transitions that cause the kind of stress that people don't know how to navigate. Another huge transition is in fact a transition. And most people don't realize that a move, a move from one house to another, or especially from a city to another city, is listed as the second or third highest stressor a person can go through. Death, loss of a loved one, but a move is a huge stressor. And since Americans now move on an average of somewhere between five and seven years, the statistics change, you can imagine what a stressor it is where you don't have support systems, one person moves for a job, and it's not always the man, the other person then has to redo their entire life, you need new schools for kids, you wind up in a commuting relationship, and you have to build friendships all over again sometimes. Moving is a very frightening experience. And most people, unfortunately, don't navigate moves very well. Even people who are used to moving for a living. Uh, Since I lived in Washington, D.C., I knew many diplomats. And uh, a very lovely, lovely couple who lived next door to me, I won't mention from what country, Uh, And they're used to moving and they're used to being posted every couple of years. When they had to leave, she cried for days, absolutely days. We had all become friends and close. And although the diplomatic life can have lots of perks, it was so difficult to pick up and have upheaval one more time. This happens to be a couple that does it well. And they, they did love each other and they knew how to help each other. But very frequently, um, being united during a move 
is pretty awful. And very often one part, part, party, person, party, uh, is the control freak and wants to keep everything. One person wants to dump everything. One person is structured. The other person is more fluid. And rather than talk about their anxiety and what they're doing, they wind up fighting with each other terribly, screaming at each other. Movers have told me some of the stories they've seen and experienced. And uh, they wind up in my office, if they're lucky, if they have enough sense to come for help, to understand what the upheaval is really about. And it's loss of security and loss of stability and having to start all over again. Doing this where you can talk about it in advance and help each other helps to allay a relationship and it does make you stronger. It's not what if you don't break, you get stronger. That's not true. It's learning the tools that you need to help you go through adversity and Everyone in the world goes through adversity, again, whether you're in individual or together. And when you're together, it's whether or not you can help each other or whether it's harmful. Another issue is in this day and age is very common, are people taking breaks from each other or girlfriends going for weekends out or, or guys going on hiking trips or golfing or sport events or fishing and you have separations and some couples don't feel secure enough to let their partner go and know how to handle it with any ease. I read something on the internet recently that got my hackles out, up, if you know what a hackle is, but I was furious because it said, if you have interest in another human being, your relationship's in trouble. And I want to say, oh, Lord, that's not so. No relationship fulfills every need. Of course, you need friends, maybe sometimes of both sexes, to fulfill other kinds of needs that maybe aren't fulfilled at home. Maybe one is a book reader and the other one is not. And you need a book club or you need, uh, if you have different political views, you need a place to vent your political views rather than fight with your partner. Uh, Of course you need friends and other people in your life. It's very difficult to have desire This is very important to have desire if you suffocate each other. You may be close, but your sex life most probably will die. When your sex life dies, communication dies. When communication dies, sex dies. These are two crucial elements for a good relationship. And according to Jung and some other people, so is spirituality, which doesn't always mean having to go to church every Sunday or temple every Saturday. It's a belief in the goodness of every act that you do and trying to treat each other as well as you want to be treated and treating others well. So it's very, very important to understand these issues and to communicate whether you take a break or not. And by the way, this is a very big issue in military families 
where a partner goes away for a period of time. It could be male or female nowadays. And uh, the partner who stays home learns how to do everything. And they have fun and laughter and become very good at doing things, taking care of the home. And the next thing you know, the other partner comes in and needs feels uh, lost and they don't know how to negotiate comings and goings. Of course, having problems in bed is a major issue. And that's what troubled me about the movie. Uh, it was a kind of fairy tale movie. How do you know what your partner likes if you don't communicate, whether by touch, whether by talk, whether by reading books together, seeing a sex therapist, seeing a therapist. Most people make love the way they want to be made love too, because that's what they know, where they have no idea that maybe their partner feels very differently. And then you get resentment, and resentment is built up, unexpressed anger, by the way, and stop making love, you stop talking, and the relationship becomes dead. You may even stay together, but if you have kids, they know the difference. Losing a job is a big, big stressor, very big, because then it's a loss of income, and money and sex are the two biggest issues in any troubled relationship. Money is the bigger one, by the way, because people have very different views about how money should be spent. I just want to remind you, this is Dr. Dore at Mindful Matters, and we are at 1-888-346-9141. So again, these are relationships, issues, and adverse issues that need to be confronted and talked about. If you can't do it yourself, get help. You know, that's what people like myself are there for. In this day and age where people have different family values and different family backgrounds, learning how to get along with family, especially in a country that is so divided politically, is another big stressor with families. And it's... um, something that people use as a battleground rather than be together and talk about how they're going to handle a situation. It's they're, they're, the more anxious a person is or the more frightened they are, the more they might blame and retreat and not talk. And communication, communication, communication makes a difference. As I said before, having an affair is a big, big stressor. It does not necessarily break up a relationship. If you don't confront the affair, it will most probably. But an affair is often a symptom. Keep that in mind. It is not necessarily a deal breaker, whatever your religious beliefs. And frequently, if you face the issue about why the affair happened, then you know what what issues haven't been addressed. So it's kind of like pretty ugly um, image, but it's kind of like bursting a pimple and all the pus comes out 
and the pimple can't heal until the pus comes out. And using an affair to grow is very, very important. Um, There's also the issue of long-distance relationships and the secrets that can be kept and, and the secrets that, and the stresses of coming and going. Again, this is Dr. Dory at Mindful Matters. Thank you for being a part of our show. Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to join Dr. Dory Lane for another exciting show next week.